This week on How to Be 60, psychic Sally Morgan on staying positive while coming to terms with the loss of John, her beloved husband of 46 years. So I know John will come for me. Hmm. I mean, what he's going to say to me when he knows how many pairs of shoes I bought. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows that I, I, I did buy the expensive scarf when I could have had the cheaper one in Asper. I know he's going to be very happy, do you know what I mean? It's scaring the shit out of me. So greetings, friends and fellow travellers on the road to nowhere. Uh, This is Kay Adams learning how to be 60 and hoping that super psychic Sally Morgan will have better advice than Karen McKenzie. (laughs) Morning, Karen. (laughs) Hello there. Yeah, I, I never came on this believing that I could help you, but actually... I think there are little changes that we're seeing. Right, okay. So you think you're being useful, do you? Uh, well, would I go that far? Yeah. Yes. 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 Good, good, yes. Good, good. Well, interestingly, Sally has got a decade of 60s under her belt because I think she's just nudged the 70s. So probably about the same age as your sister, actually. I think you see as me. Not that I'm laughing about that. Uh, yes. 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 Yeah. Yep. The older yep. one. Kelly. So it'll be interesting to get yes. um, her insight. But one yeah. thing can I just say, no talk of sex today. Sex is banned. We've had too much sex. We're exhausted. We're depleted by it. This has to be a sex-free zone. Do not ask Sally about sex, okay? You say that like it's me that always brings it up. Well, it is kind of. That's you always bring it back, don't you? I was going to say that's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no, today we're going to talk big philosophical questions, okay? Oh dear. Right. Do you want me like, to leave now? No. Like, am I too old to go rollerblading? Right. Are you confused? No. No, I was I was in Palma. Yeah, why? I was in Palma with my girls recently, as right. I told you. And I was sitting there, they were away on the beach or something, and I saw these older people, I don't know if they'd be sixty, but whatever, older people, and they were rollerblading down the sort of promenade. And it looked so wonderful. Yeah. And so free. Yes. And just so cool. And I sort of put myself in those rollerblades in my head and I thought, would I look like a complete plonker? Not out there you wouldn't. Maybe in Glasgow you might, but not out there. So you don't think I'm too old to go rollerblading or do any of these things? In Palma, no. No. Well, isn't that interesting that you say in Palma? I think it's just a holiday thing, isn't it? It, It's like having a tequila over there. You take it over here, it doesn't work. (laughs) There are just so many things that you get off with on holiday. Like romance, but we're not talking about sex. But And then you come back here and it just doesn't... It's not quite the same. Is that because... It's not an age-related thing then, that's just no, a, no, no, a holiday no. thing. I think it is a holiday thing. I don't know. Why did you not go ahead and try it? Well, because I suppose I thought, I mean, would I look like a... Remember that thing that I showed you? You know, Parker. That, Parker, uh, Parker, yes. that yeah, thing where I've people... I've tried that. Have you? Yeah, for a, for an item at work. Really? When I... Where people jump around buildings and, you know, do all this dramatic... And there's always young, really good-looking fit people. yeah. And I found a Parker um, sort of project for people over 60. And I wanted to get with it. I wanted to say this is fabulous. But seeing a 60-year-old jump up onto a six-inch curb... <laughs> Didn't just, do it for you. It just isn't the same, is it? <laughs> no, you'd probably lose your balance and break your ankle on the way back down. I know. No, but that's not the same as rollerblading. 
Is it not? No, there's some sort of freedom and no, it's just completely different. And when you see a promenade, you just, you've got the freedom. I mean, you could go out at six in the morning, nobody would see you. You'd be there with the, the kind of, you know, one or two joggers that are out then. I think that would be wonderful. Well, it would, but again, you've got that thing that nobody would see you. Why don't I want somebody to see me? Is it because... <sighs> Um, that's true, actually. Is it because you met a fool of yourself? No, I think I people wouldn't look twice at you in Palma or, or, or you know, when you're abroad. I think it's when you come back to Glasgow, apart from the fact that somebody might recognise you and say, Hey, Carol Smiley! <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, uh, yeah, it's just not quite the same. Although we have got a lovely area next to the River Clyde here, yeah. which feels very continental. You could try it along there, Kay, after your shift at BBC. Yeah, I could. I might well do I have got a pair of road blades, actually. Ian got them for the Christmas Oh, they're your year. own? Yeah, my own personal Have they been blade. on you? Yeah, he got them for Christmas. You know, it was one of those moments that you opened up the big box and you went... Oh, wow. Rollerblades. <laughs> when was this? <laughs> I don't know, about 15 years ago or something. And? Have you used them? Uh, no, I haven't. Ever? No. Brilliant. I know. I Between know. all your sweaty, betty, nice stuff and your rollerblades, I I, I don't you just know. don't. Yeah, you I need to communicate more, I think. But um, the other thing on the philosophical line I was going to tell you, um, I was speaking to Stacey Solomon recently. Mm -hmm. Do you know who Stacey she, Solomon yeah, is? I do know her. I, I'm not going to say how I know her, but uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, because I do check that you know everyone that I'm talking she, is about. Is she the one yeah. in the professional bake-off? Uh, yes, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Result. Well done. So Stacey's like 30, 31, and she was just sitting chatting and she said she likes nothing better than sitting planning. Like planning her life. She likes to sit and she daydreams about, well, will she have another child? Will she move house? Will she do, you know, will she go to this country? Will she do this? Um, and then she said to me, so do you plan, Kay? And I thought, God, that is so interesting because at a younger age, I, I did. I had a five-year plan. I wanted to achieve this. I wanted to do that. And I had all these things laid out. And then it just kind of dribbles out after a while. And then you get to this stage in life. and All you're planning is your holidays. Well, you don't plan anymore, do you? You don't plan your holidays. Yeah, but that's not much. But what I'm saying is you don't plan your life. That's because you're in the third age. Do you plan your life from now on? I plan a holiday. But is that it? Well, the rest of me, I'm quite... I'm, yeah. I do like a list, I have to say. I yeah. do love a list to cross it off. But no, I don't... I, yeah, I can relate to what you're saying. When you're young, you do plan because you've got your whole life ahead of you. And okay, we've still got hopefully 30 years ahead of us. But no, I don't. You're right. I don't plan anymore. But see, apart from my holidays. But that's what I think that we should do. And I know that I'm like pot... Kettle, Kettle black and black. all that stuff. Yes. But I think when Stacey said that to me, I thought this is one of the problems because you write out all these plans in your early 20s, your 30s or whatever, what you're going to do with your life and it's all very exciting. And then you get to a certain age, that's kind of run out and you should revise your plan and you mm -hmm. should have another plan because I think that is my problem. I mm -hmm. haven't made another plan. I'm just sort of fiddling on with the old one. So once Whereas you've had actually, your children, should, yeah. once you've achieved whatever you have in work, yeah. that's kind of it. So what would you put on that? What would your first bit be on that list of planning? What would it be? Um, I, I haven't got that far yet, but I'm definitely working on that. <laughs> Planted down 
Not downsize. I want to downsize. I downsize. totally want to downsize. Not even your house, but downsize your work. Downsize social media. I'm saying downsize. I'm using all the wrong words. But yeah, you need to, I think. How am I going to flog this podcast if I downsize social media? You need to. Actually, Stephen told me to stop saying you need because it's really aggressive. I think I, I, I think you need. Oh, God, just say that again. <laughs> I think what do you I should need to look do? at staying a little bit less, being a little bit less on social media. Right. Well, you know, I know people get hooked up on social media, but social media is the current it's means of communication. And I think, and to be honest, all. I think if you don't mind me saying, you're sounding your like an old person. You really are I am sounding like an old person. You. I am trying to advise you. From an old suggest, person's perspective. Call it what you like, Kay. I think you're yeah. hearing something you don't want to hear because you know it's true. Social media is the current way yeah, of communicating. Within limits. You don't need to be on it how many oh hours my God, a day. God, you're sounding like my mother. I thought that oh, we were going nice. I'm taking that. It's a compliment. <laughs> I was trying to be philosophical and you've taken me off my road. I really have about planning for the third age. Um, shall we have a few emails just before we speak to Sally? This is yes. a great email. Right. This is a great story. This is what I love podcasts for. So here we are. We're sitting in a shipping container in the east end of Glasgow. <laughs> and we've got an email from Paula Ryan from Kuwonga in Queensland. And this is the story. I love this. She says, it's a small world. I've been listening to one of the earliest episodes you've done on Turning 60 and and it made me think, how am I feeling? She's 63. Right. Um, liberating, she says, once I get my head around the changes that happen to the mind and the body as you age. I grabbed 60 with both hands. It's a bit like being a good book with different chapters to reread or write new chapters. Women are like good red wine, she says, we improve with age. But she says, fast forward to April 2022 when my husband and I are meant to go to a wedding in Scotland. Couldn't make it. Right. So our son sends us the video of his speech as he was the best man. Oh, nice. Yes. Our son is Ben, who was the best man at Tom Johnson and Sarah Adams' wedding. And Ben mentions you in the speech. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's my God. niece. It's my niece, Sarah. Stop it. She says, what? That can't be my Kay Adams, says Paula. But it was. And she had lunch with Tom's parents yesterday. And uh, Lindy, the mum said, send an email to Kay and say hello, which she did. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Isn't it's on the Good. other side of the world. That's incredible. Talk about seven degrees That's, of separation. And is this your my brother's? Niece. No, but yeah, my brother's daughter uh, Sarah God, got married to lovely what a small Tom. World. I know, I know, and it was it was a lovely wedding, first wedding celebration I've been to after COVID, which was nice. But it's so weird, isn't it? Isn't it weird? But the other interesting thing about it was it was the first time I've been at a wedding, and I'm on the aunties' table. <laughs> I thought I am officially the older generation because you know usually you used to go to weddings yes. when you are you're the, the generation or yes. the friends of the the bride and groom, but when you're on the aunties table, you're like, oh god, I've been bumped up. God, you must have been the most glamorous auntie there, surely. No, I wasn't. Well, you know, no, I wasn't dear. even that. You're going to be a mother of the bride. I am. Mm. I am. I know. How does that feel? I'm quite excited. Are you? Yeah, I'll not be wearing a hat though. No. No. Are you going to try and look glamorous or are you yeah. going to... Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't what, want to outdo the bride. I, no, I know I, that. But do you know what? Can I just take off my top? <laughs> oh, please. I'd rather you didn't. Can you see that there are strap marks there with my suntan? I can. Yeah, so they need to disappear. So I was out yesterday trying to get rid of the strap marks in my back garden. Well, maybe you can't see them. I've actually worked well at that one. Behind defined white mark. And because I'm wearing a sort of halter neck top, I need to get rid of these white marks. As it is, the sun kind of got my face instead. <laughs> a halter neck top, do you think that's wise? Shut it. 
I am very <laughs> excited about my colours, which are going to be quite, you know, orange and pink. I think mother of the bread, you need to wear something frumpy. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely do. I just think you've got to go frumpy. I don't think you should be wearing a halter neck. That's my advice to you. You can stuff your <laughs> advice. You can GTF. Uh, here's another email from Val. She says, I'm going to be 60 in September, so I'm just a wee bit ahead of you, she says. In my head, I am 30 uh, until I look in the mirror. I'm now coming to terms with 60, which I believe is the new 50. Everyone wants to sort of downsize it a bit, don't they? Uh, but she also says, my mum died at 63, so I really Ooh. want to make most of all the years that I have left uh, to enjoy. She's finishing work at the end of September, and she's going travelling with her husband, for five months to oh, Singapore, brilliant. Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii and Barbados. <sighs> she, she's calling it her gap year and she says this is a long-winded way of saying life is short and when you reach Good 60, if you can, her. do what you enjoy and what makes you happy. Right, you need to, to actually take on what you're reading out, what's being emailed to us and not just not just read it out, Kay, but actually absorb that. It's sinking in. It is sinking it? in. But you know what everyone says? You know, I don't feel my age. You know, I'm 60, but I feel 16 inside and blah, 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 blah. When do you start feeling your age? I mean, when do you look in the mirror and say, fuck me, I'm 82. I look 82. I feel 82. I'm 82. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. I don't, I don't feel 62. <laughs> I just don't. But I don't act either. I'm sitting here with a pair of shorts that... If I thought, you know, would I be wearing, you know, when I was 40, I'd be wearing a pair of shorts, <laughs> exposing my big blinking legs, you know, at 62. Know. I'm actually happy with it. I know, it. but at least you got one rid of those ones that gave you the camel's toe. They were terrible. They didn't give me a camel's toe because denim was too thick for that. They were bloody uncomfortable, though. They are in, they're, well, they're away at the charity shop now. <laughs> that was a waste of flaming money, wasn't it? I bought it off a second-hand site, vintage, so I paid for that. I then paid them to get sorted, to get them um, taken in. And now somebody else is going to have a camel toe. Right, one last email and then we're going to speak to Sally. Uh, And this one is from Hilary, who's in Dublin. Hi, Hilary. She says, just wanted to know how much, uh, like, you know, I'm enjoying your podcast. It actually makes me laugh out loud at times. I wonder how she's written that. (laughs) I wonder if it's with surprise. The rest of the time, it's pretty (laughs) shit. Um, You ask for listeners to give you advice about turning 60. I totally understand how you're feeling. I also hate capital letters Mm. getting older. It's so depressing. But to be honest, turning 60 isn't as bad as turning 70 or even worse, 80 or 90. (laughs) I've got a friend whose mother is 103, she says. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing from Hillary. I have no idea. And then, wait for this, I'm trying to think of something positive to say to you, but... I honestly can't think of it. And how old's how old's Hillary? Um Hillary is sixty, I think. Yeah, she's sixty. Can't think of anything positive to say. Yeah, but she says, I hope you're gonna keep on with the podcast because they're hilarious. But uh, there you go. So keep these emails coming. We do absolutely love them. We it's do. podcast at htb60.com. Right, Sally Morgan, super psychic. How are you, Sally? Oh, I'm very well, girls. I'm sitting here listening to you both. Yeah. And um, absolutely enthralled by it because um, I'll be 71 this year. And uh, seriously, for me, it's just a number, you know. Love it. It really is just, I mean, for me, I sort of go between um, 100 in the morning 
by the time I've been up about an hour, I feel about, oh, I feel my age and then give it another hour and I might feel 50. And then by sort of two o'clock, I'm feeling maybe 30. And then all of a sudden I go from 30 to 100 again. So <laughs> I got through the whole gambit in, in less than 24 hours. You changed radically just before you were 60, didn't you? Yeah, I was. I think I was 58. You're right, Kate. What happened there was I was very happy with my size. I was, I was morbidly obese. I was 27 stone, and I'm only five foot, so I was very, very heavy. And um, I had a little heart attack. So I've always had a problem with my heart ever since birth. Um, so the basically the cardiologist, she was wonderful, and she said to me, "You know, you have to lose this weight." So we they got me better, and I lost the weight. And um, and then really was all of a sudden transported back to when I was in my my teens and my 20s because I was very, very light and, you know, slim, a slim uh, person. So it was almost as if I got given my life back when I was 58, really. Can I just ask, um, so you're saying now, obviously you feel the difference, you're very light now. Can you honestly say now having lost all that weight, that you still actually were happy when you were very, very heavy. I, I was. And seriously. Carrying and I, that weight. Well, I know. Well, you're not aware. You see, it wasn't that one day I was uh, seven and a half stone and the next day I was 27 stone. I started to put on weight at 32. So when I was 58, I had this little heart, heart attack, little blip. And really, you don't realise it's creeping up on you because I was really lucky enough to be able to wear clothes, you know, that that were very nice clothes. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I, I, not that I was trying to mask it because you can't mask 27 stone. Trust me, you can't. But I was really happy. I, I was married to somebody that, you know, he he didn't really, if I was like a stick insect or if I was 27 stone, it didn't matter to him. It wasn't all about that. I mean, he was worried about my my health, but it didn't matter to him. And the children were, were fine with it as well. It was really the, the health blip that it, it was do what I wouldn't be here today unless I'd had that bypass. I was just going to say, so if you didn't have that health blip, your heart attack, do you think you'd still be heavy if you were Oh, there? I'd be dead. I'd be dead. The cardiologist said to me, she sat on the end of my bed and she said, how many kidneys do you have, Sally? Two. And how many eyes do you have? Two. She said, and how many hearts have you got? Uh, and she said, because if you, if you do not allow us to get you well enough to have um, a proximal gastric bypass, you will, I will, you will be in this unit, in this high dependency unit again, and you won't have a heart. She said, you'll have a massive coronary. Right, so I mean, it's a you, big wake-up call. Right, you're really in a second chance of life then. Do you exercise now? Well, no, I don't I don't go to a gym. <laughs> no, I'm not going to have excuses now. I don't go to a gym, but I'm very, very, I, I mean, especially since losing John in September, he used to do all the shopping and look after everything. I do all that now. So I'm, you know, I'm mobile, but I don't actually go and do like, 5k or anything like that no right. I've, I've got bad knees but I, I could do more but I don't did you was it really profound for you then at that age in your life to to almost be reborn physically yeah but you don't realize it at the time because you're for me at that size if ever I went on a diet like you do you know oh, I'm going to a wedding or something gonna lose a stone I mean 
to be very honest, with all due respect to people that are heavy, um, when you reach 27 stone, like I was, you to lose two stone, it's it's better than nothing, but it doesn't make a difference. But the person who is on that diet, see, I used to, you know, I, I lost four stone once and I thought, gosh, I'm skinny. I'll have a potato. Of course, mm. that was it. Bye-bye. You, it's equivalent to being an alcoholic. Yeah, you, know, you, you, yes, it is. An it's an addiction. It's an addiction. And so, when you lost so, it, uh, how did that change the way that you saw the world? The world saw you. How you felt about yourself? Well, I, I would really love to, you know, say something as you were talking about being philosophical, but because I had been a very light child and young adult, teenager, twenties. I started putting on weight when I was 32. So I, up until then, I was just average. I say normal. I was like, I was tiny. I mean, when I married John, I was six stone seven on my wedding day. So I was tiny, tiny. So when I lost, started to lose the weight, it just felt as if, oh, yeah, I remember when, when I could. I mean, I'll always remember the day. I was sitting on the loo having a wee, quick, quick wee wee, and I looked down at my feet. This I'd, I'd been, I had the operation about six months by this time, so I'd lost about seven stone. And um, I looked down at my feet and I screamed, and John came running and I went, Oh my God, oh my God, look at my feet, I can see my ankles. I hadn't seen my ankles like for 25 years. Wow. And you know, you, you lose all this fluid because they tell you that when you are as, as morbidly obese as I was, Yes, you're fat. It is fat. Without, you know, I don't want to upset anybody, but it is fat. But there's also a lot of fluid in there because mm. the fat holds fluid, water. So you shed. You are literally peeing, 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 peeing. Yeah. Mm. Because you're shedding this water. I mean, he said to me, I had the operation on the 24th of Jan, and he said, by your birthday, which is the 20th of September, you'll have lost nine stone. Wow. And it was like... It was like well you can't you don't equate that because as I said to lose four was like I was thin again and um and I'd lost 10 stone god 10 stone in in nine months did you ever at that point stand starkers in front of a mirror and go fucking hell yeah yeah I'll dread it was uh, my daughter's here she just said it was horrific it was horrific I and I've got pictures of me where and it, what it did was because you get like they call them curtains of skin where your skin has been stretched for a long time and um I you get sores you know so I had to have oh. um they gave me an extended tummy tuck right and they lifted my boot because I had my boobs were like something like 48 g and so when I lost the weight I'm now I'm a 32e now wow my god that's a small back you could probably sleep in your old bras well I could do they've all gone but they were like hammocks seriously they were like hammocks and um anyway the uh I've had some surgery done to remove the skin and um it was just it was incredible so you you mentioned John losing John last year 46 years you were together yeah, we were married for 46. We were together just over 50 years Incredible. with no one another. So he was, we were like one person. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he got COVID and went very quickly, which might sound awful if I say, thank God, at least he wasn't, you know, on a ventilator for months, but he went very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was COVID. 
Yeah. I mean, it's going to be different for, for everyone, obviously, Sally. We have had quite a few people who've emailed us and they have said that they have lost a partner and, you know, really struggling, obviously, to lose a partner because, as you described it, you were one and the same person. I mean, with them longer than you hadn't been with them. Absolutely. Yeah. How are you dealing with it? Well, I do, you deal with it, you know, I, I, I to me, my biggest... Um, concerns and who I want to be okay the children the grandchildren are fine and I know having lost my own grandparents that they're going to grieve for John when they're older because yeah. I'm I grieve for my grandparents now which is sounds really weird um so I, I'm not too worried about the grandchildren but my daughters are a huge concern because this sounds really odd. I used to think, because I've got a little bit of a heart issue, I used to think, oh, you know, I used to say, you know, I'll be the one to go first. You make sure, you know, I want flowers. Don't, you know, I want my coffee full of flowers, all things like this. You know, I'd say all that. And you just go, oh, 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 oh. Um, so I never thought, I never gave the children's grief. I never thought, oh, it's going to be dreadful. The children are going to grieve for me. So when John passed and the children well, you know, they are, still are. They're completely devastated at losing their father. It, that was like, that really hit me. It was like a bolt out of the blue. Yeah. Because I hadn't even considered their grief. Doesn't that sound selfish? But I hadn't. And um, you don't, I, I think that it's only now, it's in the last month that it's the realisation of John not coming back. Yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. I, I, I'm lucky that I've got, but quite a young outlook on life. So um, that keeps me going. I think if, um, you know, when John and I got married, his mother and father, they were 55 and 58 and they were really, really old. Yeah. You know, really, yeah. when I look at our wedding photographs, it's like, oh my God, they look like granny and grandpa. They look so old. Um, and, but, but so when I look at me and I think to myself, well, you know, I don't feel at all like that. The, I think I handle I'm handling grief better because of my outlook on life. Yeah, but it, it's just such a massive hole. It just must be oh, such huge. a massive hole. Oh, it's ma- massive. It's massive. I mean, you know, I still. But then I thought I was losing my mind about three weeks ago. It's, it's quite recent, and um, I was in here on my own, and I thought, I wonder what time you'd be home. And then it was like, oh, as I was ending that thought, which took split seconds that thought it was the the next thought was catching up with what you're talking about is dead mm, yeah. but it, it was and it was like oh my god I did think what time is he did you really just think that Sally what time is he going to be in I think that must be quite common and I've you know been fortunate enough well not to lose anyone uh, you know a partner but I know that when my mum uh, died and something would happen. I would go through that exact thing saying, oh God, I must give her a ring, let her know. Only I wouldn't get that far to the end. You know, I thought, oh, I must mm. let her know. And think, mm. and it does. It's kind of, and that's my mum. So I, I kind of, have you no still got idea. a name on your phone? No, I've got my friend's name on I, my phone who passed away. Yeah. I, I, I've ago, still got my mum's. Is that right? Oh, I've still got John's number. And I've still got, you know, because John's passed in, the age of social media and videos and of course you know the little bit of profile that I have there's um you know when I go when I do my my stage show a little montage comes up first and he's part of the you know the little caption so I see that um sort of every time just before I go on stage so he's still mm-hmm. very present in that way and I wouldn't want that any other way mm-hmm. um 
but you, but I think grief for me is, um, I can't define it. It can't be, de- be defined. It's, it's, um, so scatty and so, um, you know, you can't predict it. It's so unpredictable. The, the intensity of it, how you're going to feel. I think that for me, the exhaustion of grief is what I find uh, fascinating because no one, I'd never, never thought that being grieving for somebody could exhaust you, but it does. In what it way? Is, In what way? Well, it exhausts my mind, it exhausts my thoughts, and it exhausts me physically. I'm ready for bed at eight o'clock every night. And yet you ask anyone that knows me, I'm a one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning person. I can sit up watching, but well, I come off stage, don't I, at half past 10 every night. So then you've got to come down and then you're sort of out having dinner with people and all things like that. But I, it's exhausted me. It's mm. and I, think, I think it's draining. Uh-huh. It's draining. Yeah. And you, what happened immediately He's gone because he used to do all the shopping and, you know, prepare food. Straight away, my 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 the way I eat is altered. Yeah, because because you're eating for Sally rather than as a couple. Well, I haven't I haven't cooked a meal since he died. Are and your yet, girls with you, Sally? Sorry. Uh, uh, what you mean now? Well, I mean, I said they so live with you. Here, yeah, are they with you? Yeah, yeah live with got, you. Yeah, no, they don't live with me. Oh no, no, they've got their own families. They're they're um. They've all grown up, you know. So, so you are they, cooking for one. We would be cooking for one, would it? If you yeah, were well, cooking. I don't tend. Yeah, I do, but I tend to buy, you know, like going to Marks or Waitrose, and you can buy meals for one, can't you? And you know, things like that, or cook the shop cook, and I get bits and pieces, and you know, yeah. it, it's like it's dreadful, but it's just that's how it is. That's the thing, isn't it? I think when you live on your own, and I'm not saying you know, even without without losing somebody, if you live on your own. There isn't that incentive to just, you think, oh, it's just about me. Can't be bothered. So to lose yeah. somebody, you can see how that completely would be the case. Mm. Yeah, I, no I, even find, well, that's, I even find myself going into my local town. I've got a, a lovely town and they all know me in there. And there's a lovely little sort of tea room and she does me poached eggs. On, so, and I find I get up and I get dressed. I think, I'll go and have breakfast. I'll go out and have breakfast. I've got eggs in the fridge. It's so ridiculous. But I just can't be bothered. It's the not being bothered. And yet I'm not a person like that. You know, I'll go out of my way to make something exceptional or wonderful for somebody or, you know, I bother about yes. things. But, since losing John, I can't be bothered. I'm, I hope I'm not going to phrase this in a bad way. I mean, but... Oh, you can't. Don't just say it as it is. No, I know. I know this is what I love about you, you Sally, because, you know, you're such a kind of straight-up person. But um, you had a wonderful relationship with John and you've spoken about the grief. Is there a little bit, though, of discovering yourself again, given that you now have this forced independence, whereas for 50 years you were part of a couple? What what an amazing question. I love something that is unusual. Well, it's interesting because I that sort of bubbles up every now and again. And I tell you what, what it's followed by instantly, guilt. Hmm. So it'll come up and I think to myself, oh, um, because there are obviously things that 
John loved. John loved football. I mean, I couldn't, you know, football's never interested me. And he loved football and he loved cricket and he loved, you know, anything. He loved af- athletics and things like that. And I and politics, you know, and I, I'm no interest in any of that. I'm, I'm really sounding like I'm a complete airhead. So it's nice to be able to think, do you know what? I can go and... I can go to that gallery because I love going around galleries and I love, and he, he didn't, it wasn't, he didn't dislike it, but he'd, he'd say, Oh no, you go. I'll stay. And I thought, no, I'm not going to go all up into town and go into a gallery all on my own, but I can do things like that now and not have any guilt. Yeah. But at the same time, I do feel at times, Oh my goodness me. I wonder if he's watching and he, he's thinking, what are you doing that for? Hmm. <laughs> it's really bizarre. It's very, very mixed up. And, hopefully it will settle. But yes, I am discovering me and I'm discovering me at an age that perhaps, um, you know, you're different anyway. As as each decade comes along, you change, you mature. You mentioned like, you know, being a good wine and hopefully it is that way. We become better people. Yeah. I hope that I'm a better person now than I've ever been because I'm, I've experienced grief. I, you know, my work that I do on the whole is about loss. So I now can look hmm. people in the eye and think, you know, I know, I genuinely know how you're broken mm-hmm. because I'm broken. So I think that um, getting older and what comes into our life as we become older uh, matures us. And as I said at the beginning, makes us wiser. Yeah. I think wisdom is an amazing, wisdom is, is, is wonderful for us. And I just, I just wish I had been this intelligent <laughs> and had this much wisdom at 15 and 16 and studied more that I have now, but that's not how it's meant to be, is it? You are, we are what we are. And, um, you know, it is as it is. And that, but that's another part of, um, getting older. It's a bit like, well, you can't, you know, we're not King Canute. We're not going to hold back the tide here. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. But I never think about my death. Um, You don't. No, never, because I'm not afraid of dying and because I I know uh, personally, it's not a belief system, um, so it's got nothing to do with faith. It's about just trusting. I know that there is another energy after we go, so I'm not afraid of death. And I, and I know now that uh, what, how I have to prepare the children because they were not prepared for losing their father in any way. So, well, tell us more about that because I don't think that's a conversation many people have. Well, you, you, I, you know, first of all, this is going to sound. Re- do you want me to tell you? Yeah, it's go on. Yeah. Go on. Well, uh, John wanted to be buried. That's the first thing. So, obviously, his wish. We, I never knew he'd go first, but we had this pact, John and I, that uh, because he wanted. I, I mean, I, you know, to me, you can put me anywhere. I just, it wouldn't matter to me. Uh, but basically I said to him, right, well, if you go first, we'll, I'll, we'll bury you and um, then you'll go in your casket. And then when I go, I'll go on top of you, but I want to be looking at you. So that's the first thing that they know, that I want to be upside down in my casket. I've got my, I've got my, what I call my death dress. It's we renewed our wedding vows when we've been married 40 years and I was able to, we were able to have the wedding that we could, we had no money, we had nothing. So we had a really lovely party and I had a beautiful Dior dress and everything. So I'm going to wear that. And um, the children, so what we did was when John died, that's what I was about to tell you, um, he wanted to be buried. So I bought, 
a plot. And then within two days of buying that plot, I bought like another plot that held seven of us. Seven, seven bodies and 22 caskets if they wanted to. So the children know because they were really, really upset. Where are we going to go? We want to be with, you know, where you'd never discussed it before. So I said, well, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll buy that. We've got daddy's plot. I'll buy the plot next to it, which is a bigger plot. And that will be our family plot. And if you want to come, if the, your husbands want to come in, which my son-in-laws are my, my sons, they do. And then, you know, it, it sounds so morbid, but no, it doesn't. My mum, my mum brought bought her plot uh, before she before she died. She knew where she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that's morbid. Do you think it's a comfort? Does it help? Well, I think it helped us. It doesn't help us now. We don't think about it every day, but we know it's there and we know that Fern has all the paperwork. It's in her name as well, so that when to stop the the, the, the cemetery said it, it just prevents all the bureaucracy of it. If it's in her name, because it's land that you're buying, um, then she can just, you know, bury me with John. But you know, talking about funerals and where you're going to be and how you want it. And I also think we were able to, they recognise that he's really, really sad, but they're experiencing grief. So when they lose me, they know what to expect. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it, they're dealing with um, the aftershock of grief as well. They're dealing with the grief and you could say the fallout from it. Whereas hopefully when I go, they deal with the grief and they know what to expect next. They know that, you know, they may go off their food or they may be screaming and shouting or they may be exhausted or they may lose their temper or have headaches. All of this, they're going to know that. But at the moment, I mean, every single day we could all go to a doctor. If we were that, if we were that way inclined. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the grief. That's grief that's doing that. But you don't fear death. Not, not at all. I, I mean, I'm not a lover of pain, who is? But I think as long as, however I am going to go, as long as, uh, you know, the medical team can make it painless, then do what you, ever you've got to do. You know, because John will come for me and I'll be gone. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not here to talk about, you know, the psychic world, but, but you have a belief that, that you and John will be reunited in some oh, way. Oh, God, I've, I've, well, I've, I've seen him since he died in the house and we've had some really strange things happen. And, um, you know, there's always people that can say, oh, that was that, and that the, the things that have happened, there are no other explanations because I had someone here who was a total sceptic when something happened here. But, it, yes, I, I know that um, our energy, if you look at it as energy, it, they call it spirits because it people got to like you got to try and visualize it but it's an energy that lives on and i think it lives on when somebody else here on earth plane that is alive um is sort of holding that person's love it, i call it an invisible um umbilical cord of love that you're still attached to and yeah. that that could be anyone it doesn't have to be a, you know loss of a husband or a wife or a partner it can be anyone and I think that as long as their memory is kept alive you keep their energy alive and then when you're ready to go you join up that energy comes for you so I know John will come for me 
Hmm. I mean, what he's going to say to me when he knows how many pairs of shoes I bought. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows that I, I, I did buy that expensive scarf when I could have had the cheaper one in Asda. I don't think he's going to be very happy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you enjoying life right now? I am enjoying life. I mean, listen, I've just lost him, you know, and I'm, we're talking about all of this. And I'm, I'm 71. How can somebody with all that on her shoulders be enjoying in life? But I'm a very, it's irritatingly, I, I'm irritatingly positive. And I'm always being accused of being over positive. But I do enjoy my life. You look like you are. Yeah, you've you got do. a lovely positive. Well, you, the thing is, what is the point? I mean, listen, girls, I have really bad down days where you you won't want to be around me and where it's like, oh, doom and gloom. But I'm really lucky that Fern, my daughter, she is my manager and she looks after me as well. Plus, she's my daughter. So at the moment, we keep one another as buoyant as we can. Uh, but, yeah, I'm positive and I cannot be down for long. I, yeah. I, I just... I can't be in that space. I'm really lucky. I've never, ever, touch wood, suffered from depression that needs treatment. Yeah. I mean, I do have days when I get depressed. And I do have days when I think to myself, gosh, you know, Sal, you're not right. You think it's your age. You know, it's, it's almost as if you 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 slip into this sort of like uh, a bubble where you think, oh, I, I'm just not, no, this got to be because I'm 70. But actually, it's just life, and not I know what you mean. I mean, my, my friend Nadia Sawala is, is exactly like that. And she will say that there's just something in her that was born in her or whatever. She just finds it difficult to be down. She actually describes herself as irritatingly positive. That's funny, isn't it? She just wakes words. up in the morning and she thinks, hey, it's a new day. God, it's and it's just be like that, isn't it? It's like thoughts come up, I can be down or something can happen where you think, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? I'm going to have to like, after sort that. And then it's like, a thought will come into my head and I think, yeah, that's the way out. It might not be the way out. <laughs> it's like, like we can be really sort of like, and then we think, actually, let's try that. And it doesn't work. And it's like afterwards we can laugh about it, but it's like you've just got to do what you've got to do. And at the end of the day, I truly, truly believe that don't try too hard. Don't overthink your life. If you overthink everything, Karen, it's going to drive you completely mad. Karen's an overthinker, by the way. One, no, no, she accuses me of being an overthinker. Oh, my God. No, I think, I think in the UK, you're not an overthinker. You're just somebody that is very precise. So the precision that you put on your shoulders makes... Thoughts and deeds and actions last longer. Whereas with me, it's like, it's got to be done now. Let's do it now. That's, that's great. Let's do that. And, and it's like, get it over and done with. Don't let it sit in your head too long. And if it's something that is, you know, because we all have incidences in our life that are quite serious and we have to get sorted, don't touch it there and then. Leave it for a day or two. Even if that person on the other end is saying, if you don't handle this today, we're going to put you in prison. It's a bit like, no, you won't. It's got a lot. I've got, I need 48 hours. You, give yourself time if it is something really, really difficult. Mm. And I think, you know, I can remember being in my 20s and overreacting to everything and overthinking things and think, this is crazy. And then all of a sudden it was a bit like, you know, you've got, you've got to slow up yourself. You've got to relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's how I lead my life now. Yeah. But you're right. You said it earlier, Sally. You can't fast forward that. 
You know, you've got to this stage in life and you've recognised that and you can live that way. I mean, I always say, you know, people say, oh, would you contribute to this book? What would you tell your 18-year-old self? And I always say, well, nothing, because being 18 is being 18. There's no point in a 60-year-old telling an 18-year-old anything because you can't, you know, you can't change the cycle. If if someone said to me, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? First of all, it would be, um, you know... Don't worry. For me, it would be don't have so many boyfriends. <laughs> don't give your love away so free. Do you know what I mean? God, we, be- we should have talked to you about sex. I knew that was a mistake, Karen. Well, I told you we should have spoken to Sally about sex. <laughs> Remember, I, I grew Branded. up in the 60s, so it was all free love, wasn't it? Do you know, it was all hippie love. It was all that. When, when I just started discovering that, you know, I did like uh, a man on top of me. I was just discovering that, and it was the 60s. So I would tell myself, now, don't go there. You know, take your time. You know, you don't have to kiss everything, do you? Do you know what I mean? I was kissing <laughs> everything that came up to me. It was no. like... My God, I wear glasses and he really likes me. Come here, let's snog. Now it makes me feel ill. <laughs> so I have to ask you then, would you have another partner? Um, would I have another partner? Um, possibly, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I, I would want to live with anybody again. I miss John and I, we had a very good life. I know I'm lucky that I'm a hard worker and a grafter. I'm not ashamed to say I've got a good life because I work for it. So John and I would go to out to dinner a lot. We had a good social circle. So we were out most weekends and I miss that. I miss the, the things that it sounds silly, but like, you know, He's got his bathroom, I've got mine, but like getting dressed and passing one another in the bedroom. And, you know, I he'd say, say oh, spray my my uh, my cologne for me because he, he used to like it around here. And, you know, he'd say, what do you think of my new perfume? Oh, I miss all of that. I miss like the, the, the process of getting dressed to go out. Yeah. I miss going out. And, you know, you, you take for granted that you walk into a restaurant or you walk into a party and all your friends are there. And I used to go that way. John would go that way. But we were together, you know, mm. and I miss that. So to perhaps have a friend that and I'm sounding really old now, mm. to perhaps have somebody that you can walk out with yeah. <laughs> would be quite nice. You know, a bit of a chum to sort of do that with. I, I wouldn't perhaps say no to that. But um, my, I think my, you know, rolling under the duvet and all of that, those days maybe have gone. Uh-huh. Because he he never used to, you know, when I say he never used to look at me, couldn't care less what I look like. So you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was okay with John. You get comfortable, don't you? Yeah, 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 you do, you do. Listen, Sally, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank oh, you so much. Oh, it's been wonderful. I haven't stopped talking, so I'm really sorry. You've got a lot of editing to do. No, we don't, actually. We absolutely don't. No, no, it's been really lovely to speak to you. It really I'm just has. overthinking what you've just said. Yeah, yeah. I'm just overthinking, Karen. Listen, Karen, I'm going to try my hardest, darling, for you not to go and buy all of these meals that are absolutely full of salt, additive, tasty but full of salt. Indeed. And, and yeah, okay, and I'm I'm going to try more vegetarian food. I love mushrooms, so yeah. They can if you're me. if you're really unlucky, Sally, she'll send you some of her homemade oat cakes. <laughs> <laughs> she said, no. Listen, love to you both. Thank you very much for asking me. All right, yeah. bye and bye for bye, bye for Oh, that was nice. Good talk about energy. What an amazing energy. I know, I know. Isn't she? You know. It's, it's, just... it's interesting when she said that, you know, 
John is still there. He's a presence in the house. Don't you think that, you know, when after your mum had died, I I remember thinking this, um, you know, after my father had passed away, you're thinking, God, I wonder if he is around. Because suddenly I remember a word, Hamitukshanks. He used to call me Hamitukshanks. That came to me from nowhere in in a, a place that I used to live. And then you think, I hope he's not around when I'm having sex. I know that's a weird thought, but you just don't want to think. How often is he around? I told you this was a sex-free episode. <laughs> no, but you brought it up with No, Sally. no, but you brought it up. I thought that was quite kind of like, you know, how what? many months is it since she's lost John? Oh, she was a very open person. That, was, that's a great, that is a good thing about getting older, isn't it? You can have these more open conversations. I'm going to have to go now, and the reason <laughs> is that you can actually <laughs> hear the snot in my nasal cavities, and I think it's going to start making people feel sick. All right, I hadn't thought about it. Maybe I'm that's just not why listening did, to That's you. why I didn't do the bingo. Um, but can I just say to everyone out there, we're still doing our big six or bingo, but we need some more questions. Because, we do. Um, Please, we do. Because if we, you don't give us some more questions, then Karen's going to suggest hers, and I've seen some of them, and they're really bad. No, we're just um, going to get the same old from Kay. No, we're not. So our big six or bingo, we've got lots of exciting people coming up. But actually, I love the fact that we have questions that are just, it doesn't matter who's answering them, they're interesting. So... <laughs> Uh, podcast at htb60.com. Have I got it right? You have. I've got it right. Yep. That's yep. it. Lovely. Bye, are we everyone. snot your nose? Are we in blow your nose? I am going to do that on the mic. Oh, God, can you imagine? You are gross. <laughs> if you have lost a long-term partner, how did you and your family cope? Share your story with us by emailing podcast at htb60.com. A new episode of How To Be 60 drops every Friday, so please subscribe and if you've got a minute, rate and review. Next week, Karen's sister, Aggie McKenzie, gets into some very compromising positions, if you know what I mean. Don't miss it. And don't miss our debut at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Tickets are available. Info on how to get them are in the link.